We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here. As you can see, if you're watching the video, if you're listening, you can probably hear that there's no one else on the other end of this. That's because the old man is out of town this week, which means madness. I can say whatever I want. I love these shows. He's not here to correct me. He's not here to quiet the hot takes. That means you're getting all this fuego from just me today. Hopefully you guys enjoy that. Hopefully it brightens your day a little bit. Tons to talk about in the world of boxing. We didn't have our boxing show last week on Thursday. That's because I had to get surgery. All my wisdom teeth taken out. So I was, I wouldn't say I was out of commission, but I couldn't do the pod because it's two hours of talking. Can't do that with gauze in your mouth. But uh, I was covering um, WNBA this week. I didn't miss a beat outside of that. So I know you guys missed us. As you can tell now, I'm fine. Back on it. We are recording this because it is Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder 3 weekend here, right here in Las Vegas. So it's going to be madness. Might be some urban loitering. Tons of stuff to talk about when it comes to that fight. But we'll get to that in a little while. Right? That, that'll be there. We'll talk about Teofimo Lopez. Maybe fighting George Cambosis and what's going down with Triller and the world that is Triller boxing in a little while as well. We'll finish off the show also talking about Usyk versus Joshua because we missed that on last Thursday. So we got to talk about that, what it means for the heavyweight division, what it means for Usyk. Joshua's going to enact his rematch clause, what it means for Anthony Joshua in the rematch, what can he change, what can he do better, tons of tons to talk about in the world of boxing but we got to start off with whatever I want to start off with oh, it's the beauty of the old man not being here I feel so good when he's here don't get me wrong love my podcast partner in crime you know how we get down but it is so fun to just be here talking to you guys cracking open the water and be like ah, I can say whatever I want without him on my shoulder being the voice of reason every now and then you just gotta let me talk my talk and that's what today's show is about. We're starting with hip-hop, and specifically, an announcement that came out this week, the Super Bowl halftime show. 
isn't going a little bit of hip-hop. It's not like we've seen Travis Scott be a guest on the halftime show. We've seen all these things. It's been R&B people bringing out hip-hop acts. No, the halftime show of the Super Bowl this year is going all the way hip-hop. Kinda. So, before we get more into that, let me tell you who's going to perform. The headliner, technically, is Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre, in my opinion, isn't really a rapper, right? Like, Dr. Dre is a producer first and foremost. Other people write his rhymes. He recites those rhymes afterwards. But I guess that's good enough to be a headliner of the Super Bowl. I can't complain. We have Dr. Dre headlining. It's Dr. Dre and friends, the friends being Snoop, Kendrick, Mary J. Blige, and Eminem. This is where it loses me. I, I guess you have to have some semblance of, of balance during these shows, right? Like they want to throw in, usually it's an R&B act with one hip-hop person. So maybe it's a hip-hop person and you have to have one R&B act. Mary J. Blige? The, the Super Bowl is in L.A. Mary J. is from New York. Mary J. was on Bad Boy. To my knowledge, when I hear Mary J. and Dr. Dre, I think of the hateration, holleration, like Mary J.'s worst song. So I, I don't know where Mary J. fits into this. Except Dre was probably like, yeah, I need an R&B act, I, I guess. It's, it's her or Michelle. So people know Mary J. Bly is a little boy, I guess. But it's just, it's out of place. When you look at what it should have been, which is a celebration of Dr. Dre's career on stage, like a Lifetime Achievement Award to be in the Super Bowl halftime show, how do you not put Ice Cube in this? If you take Mary J. out, put Ice Cube in, Dre can come out, you can start with N.W.A., Anything that's not like, you know, F the police or something. But like you, you can do straight out of Compton with just his verse and Cube's verse. They dap it up. Then you bring Snoop out for whatever Dre wants to perform from the chronic. And then you leave Snoop to do Forgot About Dre. You bring M out to do his stuff from that. Uh, I forgot the name of the song that was on the album. Um so, or Snoop does still Dre, and then forgot about Dre is M, and Dre, cool, perfect. So now you ride through that, and then you get the last Dr. Dre album, which was heavy Kendrick Lamar featured, and have Kendrick do one of his solo songs. Like, you know, All Right or something like that, like to finish it off, and you bring it full circle. It's an entire performance for Dr. Dre's career. I don't know where Mary J fits in that. Like, I, I'm not sure what she's doing here, except Dr. Dre is just getting his friend a check. So that's, that's one thing that's weird to me in this scenario. It's in L.A. It's a celebration of L.A. I give M the pass. We know M's not from L.A. We know M's from Detroit. But what he meant to the resurgence of Dr. Dre's career, cool, you can, you can do that. M fits the mold a little more. How you have nothing before Snoop, I, I, I don't understand. You just can't erase N.W.A. And Dre can't do it by himself because we're being real. He didn't have the best verses on those songs. So bringing Cube out would really set that off. And I, I feel like they dropped the ball on that. And that's not to say you can't have unannounced guests. So 
Ice Cube, I'm sure, will make the time to just pop up and do a verse if they ask him to on the Super Bowl halftime show. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know where Mary J. Blige fits in the grand scheme of this. I am happy to see hip-hop be the feature of the halftime show because it's been a long time coming at points. It seemed like, oh, is it too edgy? Are they going to let us? I mean, Jay-Z, I think, has done New York during one of them, during the New York halftime show with Alicia Keys, but they didn't let Jay be a headliner. He performed Beyonce, too, when she headlined. But we haven't seen a hip-hop headliner like this. So it, it's definitely the, the test dummy of Super Bowl halftimes. We cannot have a Janet Jackson situation go on. This is, this is one of those things where it's like, yo, listen, if it doesn't work now with 40, I, I might be underselling this. I think Dr. Dre might be like 58. With 58-year-old Dr. Dre, however old he is, I almost said 40-something, 58-year-old uh, Dr. Dre in his 50s Snoop Dogg, Eminem in his 40s, if it doesn't work with them, it's not going to work because you're not putting these young wild kids on. Like, you can't have YG on stage and, and think stuff is going to go well. So <laughs> this is the test run. They're like, yo, we'll give you hip-hop, but we got to give an, an older hip-hop act. It's like putting the Rolling Stones on, who've, I believe, done a halftime show, and they were really good. But, you know, this is like, yo, you can, you can do the Rolling Stones. This, then maybe next time they're like, we'll give you Jay-Z. That's kind of like the Metallica of it, right? They're like, okay, you start off like the Rolling Stones of this, and then you can get like Metallica, which is younger, you know, harder metal, a little edgy, but they're so old. And then they'll, they'll give us Jay. And then we can start moving backwards from there. Then maybe we get a Kendrick headlining. Maybe we get a J. Cole headlining if this ever goes to Carolina. Maybe we get Outkast if they go down to Atlanta to again, again for the Super Bowl. And they let Outkast rock out with their incredible catalog we covered on the last show. So this is a test run. It has to go well. Mary J. is out of place, but cool. You've got to have a singing act. I can't wait to see how it turns out. But being on one of the biggest stages, and people were really hyped about this halftime show. I'm glad it came, you know, it came to fruition. I'm glad it, it garnered that response because it could have went bad. You know, there's still a lot of people, rap is crap. Like, there's, there's still those people out there. So when the response came out, people were like, I'm tuning in for the halftime show, or I can't wait for this. It's like, okay, first hurdle cleared. It's, I, I don't know what to expect. Dre is not a performer to me. Again, he's a producer. So everyone else is going to have to do the heavy lifting. Hopefully the crowd is into it. Everyone's rocking. The weather should be great. It's Los Angeles. doesn't get cold. It's not going to rain. So I don't think it has, it's very hard to, like, to really jump into my top three of Super Bowl performances at this point. I think that's pretty locked up. Like, Prince is my best Super Bowl performance ever. It happened to rain in Miami that year. He's playing Purple Rain, In the Rain, guitar going. Like, you can't top that. Mother Nature blessed him with that set. Like, you can't, you can't top Prince in my eyes. Um, then, I mean, I, I'm not a Beyonce fan. I'm not. You guys know this. I'm not part of the Beehive. The Beehive has come for me several times. 
But I can't front on her performance. I think if you want to put that in the top three, that might be like three for me. Um, I, I really, if we go back, um, Michael had a performance. It was crazy. There's, there's been good ones. I, I don't remember the Janet Jackson performance, but I heard good things about it before the booby popped out. And uh, stuff kind of went crazy. So the weekend had a decent performance last year. Like, I thought that was cool, but they didn't crack, like, the top three, top five all time. But I thought it was cool, so they're on a good run. They're getting younger, getting, I don't want to say edgier, but they're catching up to the times. Hip-hop is pop culture. So for so only so long, you can keep them out of these mainstream areas. So it's great to see Dre got the opportunity We'll see what comes of that. The other news this week in hip-hop, um, and you guys might be wondering, I'm skipping over the whole Meek Mill album. Usually we do like, oh, this person released an album. No, nah, that joint was whack. I listened to it for like 15 minutes. I was like, oh, I'm out of here. So I'm not even talking about that on the show. We'll wait for the next big album to come out to kind of talk about those. But they tease the next verses and figuring we're talking about Triller and boxing and everything. It just ties in perfectly. Triller if we're keeping it a buck, if we're being honest, they're being kept afloat with these versus battles. The boxing, I will be shocked, and I say this nicely and honestly, if Triller Boxing makes it to 2022. I'd be shocked. But the verses seem to be continuing on once a month. They found a good schedule, a good pace. They've slowed down. They're not doing four and five weeks anymore and just blowing through matchups. They do big production, stage shows, all this stuff. They, they found a rhythm. But again, like we said last week when we proposed our hypothetical verses, and Andreas was wrong, and the world let him know that because, you know, outcast, beat tribe in the, in the back and forth. But like we proposed, it's time to take it out of just New York again. Like, you, you got to get different artists. It just can't be New York artists back to back to back to back. And I'm from New York. I love all these artists, but even now I'm like, yo, I'm getting fatigued by this. The next one they teased, they did silhouettes, but it's not hard to tell if you're a hip-hop fan who the people are. The next one's going to be Big Daddy Kane versus KRS-One. I'll let you know, I am a fan of both. KRS-One is borderline top 10 to me. A lot of times I put them in the top 10, I got to reevaluate sometimes as like the Drakes of the world go up, the Kendricks go up. But he's, he was in my top 10 for a long time. Chris is the man to me. I'm from the Bronx. He's from Boogie Down Production. Like that, I was raised on that. But again, I was born in 1988. I might be the last of the last to recognize, one, the silhouettes that they teased. They teased it on social media. I was like, eh, is Instagram people really going to get this? Are they really going to care? So it, we're in this weird space where it's not like, they're old, but are they old enough? Like, is there enough nostalgia? Earth, Wind, and Fire? I was like, oh, I get that. It's nostalgic for my era. The young kids can learn. And my mom, well, my mom is too young. My grandparents still love all that. My, my dad and my mom were raised because their parents listened to that. And then it's like, cool, I, I, I listen to that in proxy and understand the legacy. With the Isleys, with Earth, Wind, and Fire, I was like, cool. You can hear all the samples of music we know. There was stuff to pull from. You don't get that with Big Daddy Kane and KRS-One. 
KRS-One a little more because, like, the bridge is over, all of those have been sampled. But when we're going 20 for 20, this is tough. So I feel like they're going to do this October 13th. Cool. You got to find something different after that. We got to switch it up. We got to get out of just New York. But because there was talks of Teofimo Lopez going to um, Barclays and them having one in Barclays, it looks like that's not going to happen. We'll talk about the Teofimo fight here in a second. But if you have to keep it in New York, if you got to do another New York one, like in November, if it has to be, I know we wanted Tribe versus Outcast. I love that matchup. I think it matches up. But if it has to be strictly New York, come on, man. You got to give me Tribe and you got to give me Wu-Tang. We got to do it. What, like, if not, we're just wasting time here. Method Man got to come out. Raekwon, Ghost, RZA, bring them all out. Bring out Tribe. And let's go one, go 20 songs for 20 songs. And people will be like, oh, that's not fair. There's so many more, you know, individual projects for Wu-Tang to bring out. And they have so much more of a catalog because everyone has an album. Cool. It's 20 for 20. And with Tribe, I would say their features, the remixes, the joints with Bus. They could bring Busta Rhymes out. They have a lot to pull from. So I think there's enough. And if you put Q-Tip, because people cheat. Let's just be real. They cheat. But like, I wrote this so I can play this song. Q-Tip has produced so much that he has a ton. Q-Tip could bring out Nas and do stuff from Illmatic. He's like, I did this beat. Q-Tip can keep going. So there's, there's ways to cheat. And make that 20 really competitive if you're not even the biggest Tribe Call Quest fan. So I'd like to see that battle. If we have to go New York versus New York. Outside of that, yo, let's get it out of there. Let's get it. Bring it to the West Coast. We've been, it's been a while. The West Coast needs some love. There's good West Coast battles still up in the air. I'd like to see Ice-T in a battle. Ice-T ain't doing nothing. People sleep on what Ice-T has in his catalog. I mean, Ice-T in a battle. We'll find someone to match him up with. I don't know if, like, Ice-T versus a DJ Quick would work, but give me Ice-T. And I feel like Versus has to get back to introducing these new generations to people who are familiar, but their catalogs as well. I, they're trying with Big, Tat, Big Daddy Kane and Kara S1, but these aren't familiar names to get the kids to tune in. So it's just going to be people of my generation and my dad's generation. It's like the age 30 through 55 tuning in and bumping to songs we love. But you got to get people familiar. LL Cool J should do one. Familiar name. People think he's an actor. My kids only know him as an actor. Okay, well, you think he's... Sit down. Let me, let me show you something. LL is a name they should be bringing on. So there's, there's plenty of people like this. Ice-T, same thing. My kids were like, Dr. Dre, like, are we there yet? Dr. Dre, like, or excuse me, Ice Cube, are we there yet? Ice Cube, like, yeah. Like, what? I thought he was just an actor. Like, yeah, like, oh, yeah, I remember seeing the NWA movie. I'm just like, 
You think it's just a movie? Like there's albums. Like and and they were introduced to these things. So I think we got to get back to not only using it as a form of entertainment because people are out of the house now, right? And you're putting this on social media platform like Triller, which is a social media platform kind of in itself. You have to then find a way to connect to the younger generations who use these platforms. And you have to do that by giving them names that they know. So I want to see you get back to that. We'll, we'll see what happens after this one, but that's the next verses. I'll be enjoying it. Don't get me wrong. And KRS-One is winning that. I don't care. You say what you want. People love Big Daddy K and I love Big Daddy K. And KRS-One is winning that. And if he decides to freestyle, it's completely over. Because there's not five people in the history of hip-hop who can freestyle like KRS-One. So I can't wait for that. I'll be, listen, I, I might go back, throw on my, my 90s threads, just be just crazy 90s out with my, my Zulu medallion. I'm going to be all that. I, I throw on the... The jacket, the leather, with the leather on the sleeve, the varsity joints. I'm bringing it all back for that battle. So I can't, can't wait for that. Let's take our first break, though. When we come back, we got to talk boxing. We'll continue to talk Triller because Teofimo Lopez is not fighting on October 2nd like he was supposed to. Or excuse me, it was October 4th. That's way out the window. They gave that up. And he might not be fighting on October 16th now. So what's next for one of boxing's brightest young stars? I'll tell you after this break. Don't go anywhere. Hey, everyone. It's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, as promised, we are back. Going to roll right back into the Triller portion of boxing. Now, it's too much to catalog the saga that has been Teofimo Lopez versus George Cambosis for the lightweight uh, undisputed championship. If you feel Teofimo's undisputed or not, that's, a, that's your business. But the WBC says he's a champion. They call him a champion. His mama calls him a champion. He's going to be a champion to me. So, the Undisputed Lightweight Championship, Cambosis is the mandatory IBF, I believe. So, he gets the shot at Teofimo Lopez. Dope. Cool. I get it. This fight was supposed to happen last March, March of 2021. Doesn't, you know, for some reason, rightfully so it seems, Top Rank was like, listen, we're not doing this right now. We're going to give you a fight. Let's do it on, like, ESPN. We're good. Teofimo Lopez rightfully so, on his position. He's like, I'm a pay-per-view guy now. I just beat Lomachenko. Nah, I need to go to the next level. So, in talking about that and, and going and saying, no, you guys aren't paying me what I'm worth. Goes to purse bid. The way purse bid works for everyone who's uh, new to boxing is that when your own promoter in-house who you're assigned to offers you a contract as a fighter, as they did Teofimo Lopez, and you say you're not paying me enough, and you decline that offer, they counter offer. You say, I still don't like that. 
Then it goes to the thing called purse bid, where any promoter, not just your own, can put up a total amount of money on what they think that fight is worth. And if they outbid your promoter and the offer that they gave you, you now have to fight for a rival promoter. So with that being said, Teofimo's like, yo, let's take this to purse bid. I'm worth more. It comes out that top ranks offer, because you then got to put your offer on the table. It's not like behind the scenes negotiations. Top rank comes out, and their offer is 2.4 mil total. The split is 60% Teofimo, 40% Cambosis. Cool. So you're looking at about 1.3 for Teo. That's not bad. He thinks he's worth more. I think a lot of people agreed with that. So now you have DeZone, Eddie Hearn, Matchroom. They bid. They outbid top rank. 3.5 mil, I think, which then brings Teofimo up to the, what, 2 mil, 2.1? Now we're getting closer to his worth. They get outbid by almost double, $6 million by Triller to host this fight. Teofimo is looking at 4, what, 4.2? I'm not a mathematician. He's looking at like 4 mil to fight. Oh, okay, now, now we're in a whole different stratosphere of money. So he says, of course, I'm rolling with Triller for this fight. They then have to schedule it out. They put it to June 5th of last year. Well, lo and behold, a month before the fight rolls around, we have Floyd Mayweather saying, hey, by the way, I'm coming back for an exhibition against Logan Paul. Pay-per-view, June 6th. Triller, which at the time people could argue a smart business move. Triller was like, oh, that's going to hurt the pay-per-view that we have for Teofimo and Cambosis. So we're just going to do a press conference that week, hyping it up. Instead, move the fight to June 19th. Okay. So they acquiesced and gave the weekend to Floyd Mayweather. Turns out, in hindsight, it's probably a bad idea. June 19th rolls around. It's a couple days before June 19th. It comes out Teofimo Lopez has COVID. They then have to cancel the fight. Instead of moving the other cards up so those fighters can fight, they said, no, we're scrapping the entire thing. The entire card will be rescheduled. They then plan to reschedule it for August 14th. Days are rolling by. Days are rolling by. Cool Teofimo gets healthy. He's starting to train a little bit. He's not in camp. Middle of July rolls around. You're like, ah, oh, this is getting a little close. Turns out, no one got the contracts for August 14th. The time comes and goes. Diofimo complains to the sanctioning body. Like, hey, they didn't send the contracts. They're like, oh, okay, sorry, sorry. Triller sends the contracts over. They want the fight in October in Australia, where George Cambosis is from. Diofimo's like, yeah, stop that. No, not going down. One, to get into Australia, you got to quarantine for two weeks. Once you get there, how am I supposed to train a weight cut if I'm quarantined? While my opponent who lives there, as long as he doesn't leave, he can go to the gym every day. He can fight in his gym with his training partners, with his sparring partners, have a comfortable weight cut for the last two weeks, and I'll be in a hotel room. Punching the air, doing mitts, sweating in a mobile sauna for two weeks. He's like, nah, I'm not doing that. IBF agrees. Nah, you're cool. You're right. You got to, Triller, you got to stage to the fight here in America. Triller goes, oh, okay, cool, we got it. 
So we're going to Sunday, October 3rd. Was the original date after that? By the time you hear this, that day would be passed. <laughs> okay, cool. They agreed to that. Verbal agreement. Can post it like, all right, man, if that's what it takes, verbal agreement, send the contract over. By the time the contract gets to both of them, they're like, oh, you know what? Actually, psych, we want to do this on Tuesday, October 5th. Because we want to pair it with verses, that's the night that we have verses. They're like, on a Tuesday, a pay-per-view? Don't worry, it'll sell verses on it. Cool, they send the paperwork over. They both sign for Tuesday, October 5th at MSG. MHG has paid money to hold the room. Everything's good. Everyone's moving. That's fine. Oh, by the way, after everything's signed, you know what? It looks like the Red Sox and Yankees are probably going to be in this thing called the wild card in baseball. And if, and this is the beginning of September, if the Yankees are in the first seed for the wild card, that game is going to be in the Bronx. That Tuesday, October 5th, eh, we can't compete with that. Granted, it looks like it might also be in Boston, or there might be a bunch of scenarios, because I don't know how this shook out by the time I'm recording this. But regardless, they don't want to compete with that game. Too many New Yorkers tuned into that. Okay, let's move it to Monday, October 4th. All right, we'll do it Monday, October 4th. Everyone agrees, even though it's in writing for the 5th. Then... The 20-some-odd of September, Triller goes, you know what? We don't want to do it during the week. I don't think we're going to sell. We want to move to October 14th at the Barclays Center. After they've been cutting weight, after they've been training, the thing about fighters, whether it's MMA, boxing, when you go into camp, six-week camp, eight-week camp, you structure it so that you peak at the right time. You, you want to cut a certain amount of weight here, Train normally, cut another amount of weight here, train normally, cut your last little bit of weight the three days before the fight, and peak. So when you do that all during camp, your body's used to cutting weight, maintaining weight for a little while, performing after the weight cut. Cutting weight, maintaining for a little while, performing after the weight cut. So when you cut weight the night before the show, drastically, or two nights before the fight, night before the fight, and you gain your weight back, your body's like, oh, it's time to perform. Like, okay, I've been doing this for eight weeks. Every time I lose a bunch, my body's now used to kicking into overdrive and be like, okay, it's peak performance time. You can't do that when you move the fight last second. And this shows why Triller is so young in the game and might, might be one and done, like in and out in a year, because they don't understand what it takes to fight. They don't understand the fighters. You can't be a promoter if you don't understand those who you promote. And they have no clue. They're just like, oh, we can move it. Like, four days' notice. Teofimo actually says okay, which is crazy because he has a hard time making 135. But even he was like, cool, I'll do it. George Campos is like, no. I'm flying from Australia here for this specific date. My weight cut is planned, everything. No, I can't just sit in the U.S. for two weeks and be like, yo, maintain your weight. No. So, at this point, Trill's like, yo, we give up the MSG card because it's not happening on that day. We'll talk Cambosis into it. Guess what? Cambosis is like, no, I'm not doing it. So now the date, October 14th, 16th, it's 
the Saturday. So the October 16th of that week is just sitting there. Now they got to pay Barclays to hold it. They did that. More money out of pocket for Triller. And then it comes out this weekend that Triller's like, Cambosis isn't budging. We're going to take that fight off of the card. Now they booked the Barclays Center, which isn't cheap. So the rest of the card can keep going. They already paid MSG and ate that when they had to leave that holding fee to hold their venue. Now they're doing the same for Barclays, trying to put a versus there, which looks like it'll probably be the one we just talked about in the first segment, which is Big Daddy Kane Karras one, along with a card without the only draw on the card, which is Teofimo Lopez and Gambosis, really just Teofimo, and charge a pay-per-view price. And they're like, well, no, we're not going to promote Teofimo versus Cambosis anymore. So why didn't you just say this in June? You could have had this fight in August. You could have had this fight in September. Now, if they stick to their guns, which it looks like it, they're not, gonna, they're not going to put this fight on, which means both fighters now have to stop camp, wait a week or two, and ramp back up from the beginning because it looks like the second bidder, which is DAZN, will become the owner of the rights, Matchroom, DAZN, Eddie Hearn, and they will have to structure stuff around this fight and probably put it on in December. So the fight now has been postponed a total amount of six times in the course of six months. Never seen anything like this in boxing. And it's happening to a guy who a year ago, mid-October, won the biggest fight of his life. Against Vasily Lomachenko, who's a top three pound-for-pound guy in the world, and people couldn't imagine Lomachenko losing, let alone to a 23-year-old who had 15 fights at the time. And Teofimo Lopez did that. Should be a major star. In my eyes, he's comparable to the Ryan Garcias, to the Tank Davis. His resume is better than all of them. He has real belts. As Jada Kiss once told 50, I got real songs with big, no made-up joints. That is Teofimo. I got real belts. I fought real champions for these. I knocked out Comey. I beat Loma. I didn't fight vacant for vacant belts against the sixth best person in the division. I wasn't handed this. He worked for those belts. None of the other young kids got that. Tank don't got that. Nobody got that resume. Devin Haney doesn't have that resume. Teofimo does the Fortnite dances after he knocks people out. He wears the shirts every year when he fights on uh, the same week as the Heisman. He wears the jerseys. He had Joe Burrow on last year, the year before. He had Kyler Murray. He does the Heisman pose after he knocks people out. He gets it. He understands what it takes to be a young star. And Triller fumbled the bag. And completely derailed the momentum Teofimo had. Good thing for Teofimo is he's 24 years old. He has the time. He has the will and the want to fight everyone else that's out there. So he'll be fine. Plenty of big fights in his future. If he still has to fight Cambosis, which it looks like it, cool, he'll fight on his own. Why not? Give him his money. And him and Cambosis will probably still sue Triller to get the money that they were guaranteed in that purse bid. So they probably double dip on salary for this. 
and make even more money. DAZN doesn't care about pay-per-view because it's DAZN. It's subscription-based. Canelo fought on there. Like, they don't care about pay-per-view. They're going to make their money. And they're honestly hurting for fights in the U.S. DAZN U.S. isn't doing what DAZN U.K. is doing. So this is a good marquee fight for them here in the U.S. Cool, they'll take that fight, put it on, and then Teofimo will be right in position. If he wants to have a rematch with Lomachenko, boom, pay-per-view fight. If he wants to fight Josh Taylor, who's the champion at 140 pounds, he can give up all his belts and force that fight. He's automatic number one contender at 140 if he wants to move up. They're both on top rank. Josh Taylor fights December 18th. So now it even matches up even better for those two. They can fight in April. They can fight in May at MSG. Pay-per-view fight. Theo is fine. If he wants to take on Devin Haney, they match up. If he wants to take on Tank Davis, they match up. Everything's still there for him. He'll recover. I don't think Triller will. At this point, Triller's biggest star is Vitor Belfort. Triller is counting on Oscar De La Hoya to come back and fight for them in November. I'm not sure they have another fight after that. If that doesn't go well, and that doesn't do numbers, and that doesn't give them a huge payout, I think that's the end of Triller Boxing. Because their only hope now, honestly, is that goes well through the moon. They pay Oscar a ton of money. And when Golden Boy Promotions deal is up in December with DAZN and Eddie Hearn, the Golden Boy Promotions and their stable become free agents. And Oscar De La Hoya can take them anywhere. And I think Triller is banking on showing Oscar such a good time and letting him fight and everything doing so well that Oscar's like, you know what? I'm bringing everyone over to Triller. So they get Virgil Ortiz. They get Ryan Garcia. They get, all, they get a good crop of young fighters for Triller boxing and at least can co-promote with people. If the Oscar stuff doesn't go well, Triller would have had a grand opening, grand closing in a matter of a year and a half. Crazy, but that is boxing. Outside of that, the other thing we got to touch on real quick before we hit the break, because we didn't mention it last time, Alex, Alexander Usyk, Anthony Joshua in the UK. What an amazing fight. What an amazing spectacle. There's few things in boxing as dope as an Anthony Joshua entrance. It's WrestleMania worthy. It's just the biggest thing you can see I would say in an arena, but he doesn't even fight in arenas. He's too big for that. In a stadium. It's Super Bowl halftime for the UK boxing fans. And this one didn't disappoint. He had all the pyro, all the fire. You'd think Bill Goldberg was coming out. All you then AJ didn't do was blow the smoke out his nose and headbutt a locker. But pre-fight looked amazing. Anthony Joshua is a star outside of the ring. He is an amazing fighter inside of the ring. I am not sure. And I thought he could win this because, I mean, it is what it is. But I am not sure he is a top four heavyweight in the world. I'm not sure he's a top five. So he's split with Andy Ruiz, who would be my number five before all these guys kind of, um, you know, shook out and fought each other. And 
Andy Ruiz split with Anthony Joshua. Ruiz stopped Anthony Joshua, knocked him out. Kind of had the Roberto Duran effect where he won, no one expected to, and went on a partying craze for like nine months. Didn't take anything seriously, didn't train, ballooned up in weight, was wilding out. Bought cars, bought food, didn't care. Came back in for the rematch, horribly out of shape. Listen, for my big people out there, I was husky in middle school, like real husky, before playing football. If you're big and young, you understand the gripe of this. When it's time to go to a pool or a theme park that has water rides or anything of the sort, anything aquatic, and you don't want to take your shirt off, you know, you know you big. And it's okay. We all did that when we were young. I did that. I was the king of swinging, uh, swimming in a tank top. That's what I did. Until like uh, Under Armour came out. I treated that bad boy like a wetsuit. It just clung to the body. And just real, real tight, real svelte. Andrew Ruiz in that second fight wouldn't take off his black tank top when he weighed in. Wouldn't take his shirt off. The man knew it. He was completely out of shape. And the worst thing that happened to Anthony Joshua is he went in there and he outboxed Andy Ruiz, who was overshaped and wouldn't beat him anyway. Joshua should have went in, went for the kill, Got his win back like he got his loss. Should have knocked him stark out. Pressured him. Said, this guy is out of shape, unprepared. I'm making an example out of him. Instead, he boxed him. and was like, I'm a boxer. Anyone who can beat me, this is now how I'm going to go after them. I'm going to be technical. I'm going to dance. And I'm going to be a boxer. If they're remotely good because I'm not getting knocked out again. And it worked against Ruiz or worked against everyone else. Wrong. Because you may be able to outbox a very out of shape Andy Ruiz, who is no longer out of shape. He looks incredible. He's down there with Eddie Reynoso, Canelo, that whole team. He looks amazing. So if they ran it back a third time, I might take Andy Ruiz. I probably will. Let's just say that. I would take Andy Ruiz in that fight. Because he beat Anthony Joshua with a whole different camp, with a whole different set of trainer. You give Andrew Ruiz not only an in shape, or excuse me, you give Eddie Reynoso an in shape, Andrew Ruiz, but one with his tutelage for two years, and Canelo in the gym every day breaking down, and those two seeing their ins and outs, Chepo's in the gym, these guys breaking down Anthony Joshua, who is already flawed. Oh, no, yeah, give me, give me Andrew Ruiz to win the third if they run it back. So that automatically puts Anthony Joshua at four because he's not being the Gypsy King. We've seen his jaw. He almost got knocked out in the 12th here, ran out of time. Alexander Usyk came out with a comment that said, you know what, he had a lot of friends, family, in attendance. I wasn't trying to knock him out. That wasn't the point of this. I didn't have to knock him out to win. Uh, I tried in the first two rounds. My corner said, just box, I just box because I knew I could beat him. Other people will not be so kind. Tyson Fury would not have been so kind. Tyson Fury would have knocked him out in five if that fight would have went through like it was supposed to. And that's just being real. Deontay, Deontay Wilder knocks him out in two and makes him a global meme like Manny Pacquiao when he got knocked out. They put Simba touching his lifeless body on the internet. 
Because Anthony Joshua doesn't have a chin to withstand punches from a guy who was just at cruiserweight a year ago. Deontay Wilder takes his face off. And it's ugly. So now that puts Joshua at four. Now you're thinking, okay, cool. He beat, like, you know, the likes of Dillian White. Like, he beat those guys. So he's at four. For now. Because we'll talk about in the next segment, you look at the undercard of Fury Wilder, it's all heavyweight fights. And there are some amazing heavyweights coming. Effie Jogba, who is on that card, versus uh, Frank Sanchez, who's from Team Canelo. Amazing fight. Two amazing heavyweights. That's going to be a, a battle. Effie Jogba spins Anthony Joshua's head around like he's Daffy Duck. If he had a bill, completely around his face. Because he can't take those punches. Jared Anderson is young, 24 years old. The next guy through the top-ranked stable at heavyweight who will also be on the card. I, I don't think, I'm not sure if he beats Joshua at 24 years old. I'd give him a chance. What, Joshua, you give, me, give me odds. If you give me the right odds, Jared Anderson, I don't know, plus 300? I'm taking it over Anthony Joshua. And that's where Anthony Joshua is. Anthony Joshua, at the end of the day, may be Conor McGregor. He may be Ronda Rousey. He is a ginormous superstar. He fought the right people at the right time and won in emphatic fashion and made himself a lot of money. But when people catch up to you or you start facing the Habibs of the world, the guys at 45 of the world, no, like, like Connor found out when Ronda for Amanda Nunez was like, oh, this is a different beast. I'm out of here. Anthony Joshua's about to have that run. Because, yeah, he come back, rematch, cool, whatever. If he beats Usyk, I don't think so. I, I think it goes the same way. I think he has to knock Usyk out, and I don't think he wants to exchange fire with that man. But let's say he loses a rematch or whatever. He goes out, he beats a Dillian White, he beats somebody else to stay relevant. Usyk Fury fight, the winner of that. Hypothetical reasons. Let's say it's Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury might be like, cool, I'll fight Joshua again. If he goes off, rambles off another win, while Fury fights Usyk, which isn't an easy fight. But if Fury wins that, he'd be like, no, I still want Anthony Joshua in the UK. That's still a ton of money. It's not $85 million. We would have gotten Saudi each. But I can get $50 million. Give me AJ. AJ goes, hypes it up, blah, blah, blah. Now your chance are undisputed. You're at the same place anyway that you would have been. He loses to Tyson Fury. I, I think he's good enough to beat the guys he should beat in exciting fashion. But that's it. And that's just the reality of what Anthony Joshua is. Conor McGregor beat Jose Aldo. One of the best fighters the UFC has ever seen. That Jose Aldo wasn't WEC Jose Aldo. Just was it? Anthony Joshua beat Klitschko. He didn't beat the Klitschko that Tyson Fury beat. It was a whole different level of Klitschko. So the resume looks good. There's levels to this. 
I'm not sure that guy is a top four, top five heavyweight right now. He's going to make a lot of money still. But uh, I, I think we've seen the best of Anthony Joshua. His camp says don't count him out. We'll see what happens in this rematch because they're going to run it back. But it, it might be scary hours for Anthony Joshua and his ability to compete at a championship level in the heavyweight division. So let's hit our last break when we come back. We'll talk Fury Wilder because that's this weekend's fight. Wrap all that up before we get out of here. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. All right, everyone, we are back, and it's time to talk Fury Wilder 3 to get out of here. If you hear a little pep in my step, a little jolt in my voice, it is because I am recording this on Sunday at the amazing Blue Wire Studios here in the Wynn, Las Vegas, and my Yankees and the captain, soon-to-be captain, Aaron Judge, came through in the ninth inning. We're going to the wild card, baby. Yankees playoff baseball. Nothing better than it. I'm just sad that I'm not here with the old man to rub it in his face. I can't wait. I'm so happy. There's times at this in this year where I was up and down. I didn't know if he'll make it. Um, I still dislike Aaron Boone with all of my heart. But my Yankees are in the playoffs. So now I'm excited to talk about Fury versus Wilder. As if I wasn't excited before, right? It's in Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena. Big fight feel. Other people said, like, you know what? Oh, we don't need this fight. Why are we doing it a third time? All this stuff. Yeah, say that now. On Saturday night, you will be there locked in, waiting to watch because there's nothing better in the sport of boxing than a heavyweight with knockout power. And on Saturday night, one of the most feared fighters still in the history of boxing will be in the ring against an undefeated Let's be real. Guy who doesn't look like he's that imposing. The Gypsy King, Tyson Fury, who may be the most skilled boxer we've seen since 1970s, 1980s. Like, in terms of heavyweights, Lennox Lewis was great. That jab was amazing. He doesn't move like the Gypsy King. The tools the Gypsy King has, we all know. The elusiveness, the dodging. Moving like a guy like in the days of Ali, not comparing him to Ali. I'm just saying, moving in like, you know, he's 6'2", 6'3". Man is 6'8", in the ring. Oh, and by the way, he showed against Deontay Wilder when he wants to put it on someone. He's a big dude for a reason. And he developed a punch. And he went, and he didn't just say, you know what, I'm very good at all this. I'm just going to stay doing this one style. No, he was like, yo, I'm going to Kronk Gym. Because I know my heritage. I know boxing. I'm going to Kronk Gym. I'm going to work with Sugar Hill. Rest the soul of the amazing Emmanuel Stewart. Who developed that style. 
you know what? I need this tough note style to go out there. I got to be Deontay Wilder's own game and put it on him in the second fight. The first fight, technical masterpiece from Fury. But Wilder dropped two bombs. That Fury on the deck ended in a draw. And despite that being a draw, because you know what? That's, that's cool. That means what? Fury won eight rounds to four? Then two eight rounds because of the knockdown? Yeah, it's a draw. I agree with that. I think everyone sees that. Cool. They run it back. Fury's like, nah, I'm just going to keep getting draws. I can't beat this guy like that. I got to beat him in his own game. I got to bully the bully. Went in there and put it on Deontay Wilder. Now you ask, okay, heavyweight boxing has always had these ups and downs. The, this person will win this fight. The rematch is different. Ali made a legacy off of losing, coming back, and winning. That is Muhammad Ali. He isn't the same person if he doesn't lose. He is not the great one if he doesn't. So does Deontay Wilder have a chance? Of course. And that right hand gives him a chance in every fight. Every fight he steps in, but not often does someone get dominated in the second fight, come back, and win the third. It just is not how it works. Usually when you're figured out, it's hard to learn completely a new skill and change your, your whole methods. If you would have, you would have done it in the second fight, like we just talked about Tyson Fury doing. Second fight, reinvented himself, cool. To do it in a third fight, that's going to be tough. And that's what we have Deontay Wilder attempting to do in this fight. He went out. He got a new trainer now. So Fury did it in the second fight. Yo, I'm going to get crying. we get Sugar Hill. I got to learn some new stuff. Cool. So you may be wondering, like, oh, Kel, if Fury can do that, why can't Deontay do that? Fury was a skilled boxer that had to learn how to sit on his punches and just put some more oomph behind it. Deontay Wilder is a guy with a ton of oomph who's trying to learn skill. That is tough. That's like me telling you in, in basketball, like, yo, we have a 6'8 guy who shoots threes. But if we need him to dunk, I'm going to teach him how to dunk. You know, just dunk the ball. He'll jump high enough to at least give you a dunk. Is he going to be Vince Carter? No. But I can teach him how to dunk the ball. Tyson Fury will never be Deontay Wilder. But I can teach him how to put enough behind his punches to knock people out. Now, though, if you're telling me a guy is just a dunker and I have to teach him how to be a three-point specialist, how long is that going to take? It's going to take much longer, isn't it? Because you have to teach a guy skill, technique, application, and get them comfortable enough to do that and perform that in a competitive environment. It's hard going that way. It just is. And that's what Deontay Wilder, in camp with his new trainer, Malik Scott, who lost to Tyson Fury back in the day, lost to Deontay Wilder back in the day. But often, let's see, no got to be the best boxer in the world to be an amazing trainer. Malik Scott could be a really good trainer. And I really believe he's teaching Deontay Wilder new things. Cool. But the body punches, the combinations, all that goes out the window once you get in the fight and you revert to what you know. And what he knows is sitting back, waiting for that right hand and waiting for the perfect shot. And what we saw in the last fight is everyone else lets him sit back. Luis Ortiz had him. 
well, I think like six rounds to two, seven rounds to one. But he let Deontay sit back and said, I'm going to outpoint him. Eventually, he's going to catch you. You give the man 12 rounds, three minutes a round. Not a mathematician again, or 36 minutes. You give the man 36 minutes, he's going to catch you with the right hand. He's proven that in his entire career. Sooner or later, in 36 minutes, you're going down. Tyson Fury gave him 36 minutes. He went down. Somehow he got up like he was Undertaker. But he's going to catch you with the right hand, and you're going to feel it, and you're going to be on the ground. So Tyson Fury did the smartest thing ever. I'm going to make sure Deontay Wilder doesn't have 36 minutes. I'm going to pressure him, and if he can catch me in 15, 18 minutes, within six rounds, then he's earned it. But I'm going to cut his chances to catch me in half because I'm going to pressure him and get him out before then. And Fury's going to do the same thing. I'm going to go after him and make him, one, have to worry equally about defense as he does offense because I'm going to put it on him. And if he can catch me with that thunderous blow, then, man, he's earned it. But he ain't going to sit here for 36 minutes and have time to size me up and find the right shot and find the perfect angle and me walking. Nope. I'm going to give him 15 minutes, five rounds. And it worked. Tyson this time probably gives him nine. Tyson's going to say, you know what? He's going to hit me. It's going to hurt. But if I can glance enough, if I can be on him enough, if I can crowd the space and he can't wind up from afar, if I can do that while hitting him, I think I got this. And I think it goes the same way. I, I really do. So if I'm, we're here, shout out to win bet. Everyone here, if you're placing your bets on this fight, if you're not comfortable betting either person, cool, I would take the under in rounds. Give me like under eight and a half. Because I think either Wilder catches him and it's a, a short night, good night, or I think Tyson Fury bullies him and it's a wrap. If it goes past that, oddly enough, this, the longer the fight goes, it's more in Wilder's hands. And you never say that for a power puncher. But that's Deontay Wilder. So give me the under, give me Tyson Fury to win. I think Fury stops him again. I'm not sure what Deontay, I'm, I don't know if Deontay Wilder continues to fight. Even though I think he could beat seven, eight of the other top ten heavyweights in the world. There's a lot of money in a fight with him losing this one, losing twice in a row. And if Anthony Joshua is to lose to Usyk twice in a row, and while you wait for Tyson Fury and Usyk to kind of match up, there's a lot of money if you put Joshua versus Wilder in the UK in that same time. They probably both cash out another 30, 40 mil off of back-to-back -back losses. So if it's not that fight, though, I'm not sure if you see Deontay Wilder again. The excuses from the last fight, the, he had egg weights in his gloves. The, my suit was heavy. It was too much. That is the mentality of a front runner. That's a mentality. Not saying he acts like this because it's not his personality. He's a nice guy. Like, I've interviewed him several times. But his, his boxing philosophy is that of a bully. 
of I can punch people, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Once you hit me back and the mystique is gone, it is gone. There was no way Mike Tyson was beating Evander Holyfield in that second fight. Holyfield felt his power, said, I know how to take this power, and you can't handle mine because you've never been hit like this. Holyfield been hit a lot. Holyfield went through a war with old man George Foreman, who still hit like a ton of bricks. Tyson had never been hit like that. He had an excuse for his only loss. Then he went to prison, and he came back, kept mollywhopping people. Holyfield completely robbed him of the stick. Tyson was never the same again. I think that's what happens to Wilder. I think specifically just for Tyson Fury right now, the mystique is gone. Tyson Fury has his number. I think this goes the same way as the second fight. That's not to say he can't knock out more people after. I'm not sure mentally if he will just say, the better man won. Tyson Fury got my number, but nobody else does. And sometimes that's what you have to do. Right? Like so many times, Tom Brady put it on Peyton Manning. He was like, you know what? These Patriots got my number. But Peyton got his Super Bowls because somebody else knocked off the Patriots. And he was like, nobody else got my number. So when I get to the AFC Championship and it's not Tom and it's not Bill Belichick, oh, I'm working everybody else. And he did. He could beat the Steelers. He could beat the Ravens. He could beat those teams. And he went, faced someone else in the championship, got his title. That's what Deontay Wilder has to think. You know what? If Fury got my number, cool. Ain't none of y'all other people doing this to me. I dare you to step up and try. Andy Ruiz, you're getting knocked out. Andy Joshua, you're getting knocked out. Usyk, I ain't going to be Joshua. I'm going to come in here and try to take your head off in six rounds. If you could take this punch, little man, God bless. But I think I beat you too. Because no one else in here is 6'8", 280 pounds. And that's the only reason Tyson Fury could beat me. That's the way Deontay Wilder has to think if he loses this fight. I'm not sure he's built like that. And I'm not sure the people in his camp are built like that. When you lose, you fire the guy who threw in the towel, the most skilled guy in your corner, Breland. You fire him and then go and get a new trainer, which is cool. Nothing wrong with changing trainers. But you get a guy who's a complete yes man. And I'm not knocking, you know, Malik Scott's character, right? Like, I'm not knocking him as a person. But for that camp, for that person, for Deontay Wilder, he is as much cheerleader as he is trainer. And I'm not sure how good that is coming off of a loss. You go get someone who's going to be tough on you, who's going to tell you the truth, who's going to tell you where you suck. You don't go somewhere and get next to somebody who's just going to tell you everything is great. And you're going to, no, no, you're right. Your suit was heavy. No, he had to have something in his gloves. Oh, this next fight, you're fine. We're just adding this just because. We're adding these techniques just because. Not because you need, you don't need them. You could beat them with what you did before. No, you can't. What you did before got you mollywhopped and embarrassed. You can't beat them that way. And a trainer's supposed to tell you that. So I, I think it's set up for Fury to win this. Again, 
if you're looking to bet, you're not overly confident. I would take the under rounds. Uh, and then if, me, I'll probably parlay Tyson Fury on top of that and then get a nice little cash out. Uh, but because Fury's the favorite, can't just, unless you got dough to just put down on Fury to win, you're Mayweather betting out here. But um, if you want a nice little you know, two-ticket parlay, I, I would go with that. But a great undercard under there as well, like I mentioned, Jared Anderson, Ajagba. Um, we get a great heavyweight rematch. On the free stuff, we get um, Edgar Berlanga, knockout artist. He's on the free card on ESPN2 and FS1. Uh, man, just stacked top to bottom. Elvis Rodriguez is on there, who's another great knockout puncher. Great card. Like, this is a UFC caliber card. And you don't see that in boxing, where you could tune in four hours early and not see a bad fight. They go eight, nine fights deep on this card. You're getting your money's worth. So make sure you guys tune in. When we come back next week, I mean later this week, I guess, on Wednesday, we'll talk a little bit of MMA. We'll talk to the old man. We'll still talk a little bit about this because we'll be past grand arrivals. We'll be past um, press conference, I believe. We'll be in here right after the presser. So we get plenty of stuff to talk about when we're in here on the next show later on in the week. And then it's fight time, baby. There's nothing better than a big fight feel here in Vegas. So we'll be talking about that, the urban loitering, the madness, because it's still beautiful weather out. It's like the last pool weather weekend. So you know there's going to be craziness. People walking by the studio, I see them. It's too many people in hoodies and sweaters and parkas. No, this weekend's not about that. It's going to be madness. It's going to be short skirts. It's going to be dudes with you and a wife beaters like it's 2003. It's going to be crazy, and we're going to talk about all of that on our next show. So shout out to Blue Wire, the network. Shout out to everywhere here at Blue Wire Studios, production, everyone who helps this show come to fruition. Shout out to The Win for housing us. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure you follow us on social media, at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Follow me, at Kel Dansby. You can follow the old man, at Andreas Hell on all platforms. Till next time, stay safe. Enjoy this fight week. It is going to be fun. For now, we're out. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.